I keep saying it to everybody, if you don't have hackers on your team, then you're lost. If I'm designing a bank vault, wouldn't I want to hire the greatest safe cracker in the world? Someone who can break into bank vaults? I want to hire that man because if I don't, then he's going to break into my safe. That's cybersecurity mogul John McAfee. But first, let me ask you a question. What's the most vulnerable security risk you own? What is it? It used to be your social security number, but it's not anymore. Actually, it's your phone. It's the key to your kingdom. Hackers are able to access nearly all your accounts with just your phone number. They hijack your number, convince all your contacts that they are actually you, and proceed to destroy your life. I'm not just talking about professional cyber criminals here. I'm talking about kids who hobby hack just for kicks. In today's culture, hacking is the new rebellion. If you can't hack into something, well, you're just not cool. It's hard to believe that your little child sitting quietly at his desk could actually be a covert master hacker in his second life. Yes, he could be. You betcha. Once your phone number's hijacked, a lot of people don't realize any call or text the hackers make will appear to be coming from you. So you'll need to move quickly. And if you're not on top of it, Hackers can grab your Instagram, your Snapchat, Amazon account, eBay, PayPal, Netflix, your online banking, whatever accounts you have laying around. Just ask Rachel Osteland. Her case is all around the web right now. Even though she took the proper security measures, including two-factor authentication, it didn't matter. Once the hackers took over her phone number, all bets were off. She almost lost everything. SIM hijacking and number spoofing are serious threats, and criminals, they're inventing new tactics every single day to try and break through to get to your data. I'm America's digital pro, Kim Commando, and welcome to Commando On Demand. This is a podcast that provides in-depth insight on the ever-changing world of technology. We talk to tech industry movers and shakers, and we tell you the impact on all of it in our daily lives. And I've compiled just about everything you need to protect yourself. We're gonna talk about what to do if your accounts are compromised. We'll hear from cybersecurity mogul, John McAfee, and Asen Kehayov, an ethical hacker from Bulgaria, to help us understand the basics. We'll even get in to listen on a scary phone call between a hijacker and his victim. So stay with me and take notes. We're happy to have you aboard, but first, a quick message from one of our sponsors who helped make this podcast possible. The last thing Adam Oslin expected to hear when he answered Rachel's phone was the voice of a hijacker. This isn't personal, but I am going to ruin your life unless you do exactly what I say. Now get Rachel on the phone. Now. I'm not kidding. There he was on the line, plain as day. The hijacker had successfully seized control of Rachel's phone and, along with it, held the key to everything she owned. Somehow... Rachel must have missed the urgent message T-Mobile sent to their customers, warning them, get this, of an industry-wide threat. The threat was real. Cyber criminals came up with a scam called Port Out. Okay, let me explain. This allowed them to hunt for and kidnap people's phone numbers. I wrote an article about it back in May, but the threat has gotten much worse since then. Port Out is also known as SIM swapping or SIM hijacking. It's simple, but I'll tell you, it's digitally deadly. When Rachel received a text, presumably from T-Mobile, saying that her phone had been updated, 
she did what most people do in that situation. Well, she rebooted the phone, and her phone never, ever recovered. Its functionality was gone. Her husband, Adam, tried to call her. It rang on Adam's side, but not on Rachel's side. Then, about an hour later, Adam got that fateful call. Between a stream of profanity and threats, the hijacker demanded to speak to Rachel. He threatened Adam, saying that he was going to destroy his credit, his life. Now, here's a trick question for you. What was the hijacker after? Was it money? Well, kind of yes and no. There were actually two hijackers involved, and you wouldn't believe what they were after. It was money, all right, but not in the way that you think. More about that later. Meanwhile, when things come to a screeching halt and our devices are corrupted, one thing we can do is hire a hacker to get all of our stuff back. So what I'd like you to do is to meet Asen Kehayov. He's a certified ethical hacker. He's the founder and CEO of InforceCyber.com. Inforce provides security consulting services to large industry clients across the globe. Before he even graduated college, Asen was snatched up by Deloitte's 2014 Most Exceptional Company. He graduated top of his class, the Masters of Science in Cybersecurity and Information Assurance, specializing in what's called penetration testing and ethical hacking. Since then, he's developed a pen testing center of excellence for one of the largest global financial institutions. He worked for a big four company, got tons of awards. He's in high demand. And I'm so grateful that he's on the good side of hacking. Asen, thanks for joining us today. Oh, hey, Kim. Thank you for the invitation. It's my pleasure to be here. So you live and work in Texas, but you were born and raised in, how do I say this without sounding rude, in one of the most notorious hacking environments on the globe. So uh, I was born and raised in Eastern Europe, so (laughs) definitely around cyber criminals, a lot of smart people in this region, so... Uh, some of them, they, they went to the to the black side of stuff. The black side of stuff, yeah. Uh, we call it the dark side. Did you learn anything from them? The one thing that I learned by uh, knowing and interacting with such people is that you can learn a lot from them. And you need to have the ability to see through their eyes, through the criminal's eyes, how they think, how they plan stuff, how they see opportunity, how they take advantage of it. Uh, That actually helps people uh, prevent some future breaches and exploits that hacker, black cat hacker, create. So I know a lot of people in this area, we interact with each other, we stay on both sides of the fence. They are on the black side, I'm on the right side, Uh, but definitely the interaction helps me do my job better and helps my company provide better services to our clients as well. With a lot of the malware and the controversial online meddling coming from Russia, I wonder about the hacker community in Eastern Europe. I mean, the average American really knows nothing about it. Yeah, actually, a lot of the stuff, let's say, in credit card fraud, for example, a lot of the tools they're using to uh, steal credit card information and then uh, reuse it and still uh, withdraw money, those tools are made in Eastern Europe. And uh, some of those tools, they cannot be replicated, or people learn about them, let's say, years after they actually got out on the market. Uh, since some of the criminals made them themselves, or maybe use a friend's help, they create the tool and then they start using it. They use it for years without sharing it with anyone. 
and that really makes our job and uh, let's say law enforcement agencies job really really hard uh, since it's really hard to look for something that you haven't seen before it's kind of a zero day thing you don't know about it and you need to catch it understand it replicate it maybe so you can understand maybe reverse engineer it so definitely a lot of smart people that need uh, extra money they find ways they're li- really smart smart people around here so this is what i learned from them and i uh, keep learning every day you are right hackers are smart and it sounds like the ones you learn from are not only smart they're sly and they're patient they use their malware inventions by themselves as a lone wolf for decades before the rest of the public finds out about it. That is patience. So quickly explain about the number spoofing and SIM swapping. Absolutely, yeah. With number spoofing, uh, you can trick victims uh, by uh, making your phone number look like uh, someone else's number. But in reality, this hack does not give you the ability to receive text messages or phone calls on the spoofed number. The beauty about SIM swapping is that you can actually get a victim's SIM card. You can connect the new SIM card to victim's phone number and receive all kinds of text messages, phone calls related to, uh, let's say, security codes sent by a bank or uh, something else related to financial information, other accounts that user uses. And most of the two-factor authentication gives you the option to receive a code or a phone call to your phone number. And that's how hackers can bypass two-factor authentication. So we're all just kind of sitting ducks, which obviously we are. Do criminals have a preference of who exactly they like to hack? This SIM swapping attack is really sophisticated and it relies on uh, spear phishing. That means that attacker targets specific victim based on profitability of the victim and looks for people that have enough financial resources so they can actually steal more and gain more from the successful attack eventually. And in that particular case, what accounts are they after? Uh, Usually compromises bank accounts, credit card numbers, other personal information, and it's a fraud that it's really hard to catch. So basically, all the experts are saying that no number is safe. But if I want to download an app or order something online, I type in my cell number. There are a lot of applications that are actually on App Store everywhere that can be downloaded and used to spoof different numbers. So it's really hard to prevent that from happening. But what we can do is keep track of where we put our information. And uh, right now there is different regulations. Let's say in, uh, in Europe, they implemented GDPR with a specific regulation following the data privacy best practices. And in U.S., there are various uh, such regulations that actually uh, force companies to be cautious about how they use personal data. So we need to read the small lines. We need to see how they're actually storing our data. We need to read more about how we can protect ourselves. And definitely, if something happens, we should have containment plan. How to basically act in terms of how can we stop specific attack from spreading. If something gets compromised, they could spread around all our accounts. So uh, one good advice is not to reuse passwords or uh, definitely use passphrases instead and uh, create sophisticated long passphrase. 
I agree. These passphrases are becoming the new passwords. The longer, the better. Are there any security measures put in place to protect us from that kind of fraud? Most of the mobile operators have uh, security pins set up in uh, case someone tries to do that to your mobile account. But still, when an attacker does his open source intelligence gathering and knows everything about the target, it's really hard to prevent that from happening. So my recommendation here is to really be cautious of what you're sharing online as far as personal information. Uh, we should use only trusted sources uh, where we're putting our personal information in a website form or uh, somewhere else where it can be stolen or compromised and it's definitely risky so we need to be cautious about that we should use something other than sms since sms is not encrypted there are other applications that users can download and use they provide end-to-end uh, sophisticated encryption and are definitely the better choice in this case we cannot stop living our lives so we should continue using phones just being cautious about what we use uh, there are a lot of options of setting alerts alerts that can identify a specific fraud or uh, attacker that, who is trying to compromise our account those alerts are really useful in most cases since most of the attacks could be prevented or stopped on time before the important information is being extracted. So these are my recommendations, definitely. And we definitely appreciate those recommendations. So just in case, how can my listeners get in touch with you? We have a profile on Upwork, which is a really great platform for freelancers and other cybersecurity professionals. Uh, so my name is Asen Kekhayov, obviously I could be found there. The company has an agency profile on the same platform. Uh, the company is called Enforce Cyber, and uh, we also have a website which is enforcecyber.com. So everyone that needs help can contact us. We offer all kinds of security services, vulnerability assessments, penetration testing, we do forensics, we do incident response, investigation, we also do web development and definitely we'll try to provide our customers with best possible solutions and best possible services. Thanks for all of your great advice. I appreciate you joining us on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation. All right. Is someone trying to hack into your accounts? Like Asen said, it's important to look out for. It's also important to know why they target certain people and what they're really after. You'd be surprised. Okay, do you remember Rachel? In Rachel's case, the hackers were not after her money. They were after her Instagram username. That's right, you heard me right. Rachel's hijackers wanted her to give up her Instagram username so that they could take ownership of it and then sell it for Bitcoin. And believe it or not, usernames are a huge commodity in the underground market. A short, unique username can sell for anywhere between, say, $500 and $5,000. The really great usernames, they're worth well over ten grand. So if you have a great username that you set up years ago, you can bet that someday someone will be after it. For instance, if you like horses and you're lucky enough to get the username Horses For Me, there could be big bucks in it. <laughs> no pun intended. You need to understand about the cyber criminals and the terrorists that are tucked away there. And there are a lot of black market sites where stolen data is up for grabs. And we're also going to speak with John McAfee. So stay right where you are. We have to give a quick thank you to one of our sponsors in this podcast. 
Hey, welcome back. Let's run with a scenario. If your social media username is what they want and your phone has been hijacked, then it may be time to take a trip into the black market. It's dangerous. I don't recommend you going. Definitely don't go alone. You wouldn't wander into a bad neighborhood looking for your son's stolen iPad without a bodyguard or the police, right? Well, the same goes for the dark web. Remember, you're about to surround yourself with some of the slyest, the most notorious cyber criminals and terrorists in the entire world today. If you go into their neighborhood, you have to play by their rules. There are a lot of black market sites where stolen data is up for grabs. One of them is called OGusers.com. OG actually stands for Original Gangsters. Tucked away behind all the seemingly harmless chat rooms, there's an open market. People go there to buy and sell usernames for gaming, social media, and communication. So if you've been hacked, you may find your stolen username there. According to Motherboard, OG Users has more than 55,000 registered users, and get this, over 3.2 million posts. About 1,000 active users log in each and every day. The users are not permitted to discuss SIM swapping, but the unspoken truth is, it happens all the time. Nobody gets to steal a username without a SIM swap. And nobody gets to SIM swap without a phone number. But there's a black market for everything. If you're hot for an Instagram name, a service called Doxagram will sell you the email and phone number linked to that name. But keep in mind, doing any of this is against Instagram terms of service. There are also other services hidden so far underground that the average person cannot find them without the help of an ethical hacker. Don't bother calling the police, they can't help you. The FBI hasn't commented on it either, except to say that they have no data on this type of hack. Many reporters have tried to get the big four providers to comment on SIM hijacking and the wave that's happening, but none of them were willing to disclose the stats. Instead, it kind of seems like they play it down. Because the crime does not affect a significant portion of their customer base, it doesn't seem that important enough for them to truly investigate it. It actually took an independent security firm called Flashpoint to finally dig up the truth. As it turns out, criminals were purchasing passwords, PIN numbers, and valuable information from the telecom workers themselves. The hijackers would call a phone company, and for a mere bribe of, say, 100 bucks or so, the employee would change the SIM card on any phone number. Of course, you do have to know an employee on the inside. An employee making $10 to $15 an hour may very well be tempted to take a $100 bribe. In that case, the hijacker and the employee are both thugs. If you take a bribe and compromise someone's security, guess what? You're a cyber criminal. Okay, think back just a little bit. Do you remember when Ashen said that you have to understand the mind of a hacker? Well, after years of being involved in tech, I do know a thing or two. I've actually met some hackers in my time, and one thing's for sure, no two hackers are alike. They're not easy to spot either. They're not like street criminals. They have a different mindset. One of the main themes that just seems to run through a cyber criminal's vein is, hey, it's not personal, it's just business. I can be mean, I can be nice, I can be dangerous, I can leave you alone. It all depends on whether you give me my way or maybe you get in my way. I want you to listen really carefully to the hijacker's voice on this audio coming up. See what you think. This is Adam Ustalan, by the way, speaking with the hijacker. So, did you explain all this to her? Because, I mean, there's really no point in stressing about it. Uh, 
We can have everything fixed within 15 minutes and also explain how to prevent it completely. And you can keep the email if you want to contact us in the future. That's up to you. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry about earlier. I mean, he, he was throwing threats, man. Like, non-stop Gatling gun threat. I mean, he said he was asking me, he was raping me, he was stealing everything I owned. He threatened other people in my family. It was not a great situation. I would probably feel the same way if I was in your position, but... I mean, I can assure you that nothing's gonna happen and I'm ready to give all these accounts back because I also need to get to sleep and move on to new things tomorrow. So does she, does she like understand about all this now that you've explained this to her? Would she be okay with changing the email so we can get the account and then send you everything back? So if she makes another Twitter, you can just have her switch. I mean, say she makes our rainbow one. She could just switch our rainbow and our rainbow one and we're done. Yeah, completely done. It was pretty surprising to have the phone switch to another sim. I mean, that was incredible. So kudos to you because that was an unexpected uh, twist because two-step authentication was pretty much what I think prevented most other people from getting it. Yeah, there's nothing There's nothing that can really block any of this that we're doing. There's no way to block it. But that was what I'm getting at. Like, right. this isn't really public knowledge that you could just find online how to fix all it. Isn't that just amazing? The hijacker is calm. He's not angry. He's actually compassionate. It's kind of like someone strangling you with a smile. It's the same logic used by violent criminals. They say the sexual assault is the girl's fault. The physical abuse was the child's fault. A murderer will sometimes say about a victim, they asked for it. Bottom line, if some of us are digitally vulnerable, it doesn't mean we're provoking a hacker into selling our stuff or stealing from us. If a hacker can't help himself in the presence of a vulnerability, it is the hacker's weakness, the hacker's fault, the hacker's inability to be a good person. But whoever's fault it is, remember that the digital realm is unregulated. Laws into the physical world, they just don't apply. Well, not yet anyway. There are a few people who know about internet law, hacker technology, the underworld, covert operations, security and intelligence. And I'm not sure as many people understand it as intimately as John McAfee, one of the original cybersecurity pioneers. John now says he fears for his life. He's on the run. He claims that the U.S. government is out to get him. He claims that the issues he's having with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission have literally forced him into hiding. Even his wife, Janice, who's one of the few people he trusts, once tried to betray him. So before you write him off as being kind of paranoid, you have to guess that he's been to places most of us would never dare to go, including the darkest corners of the cyber world. He's been a multi-millionaire tech legend to a lot of people. He's also been suspected as a quote-unquote person of interest in this really bizarre story and mysterious killing in Belize. He takes the power and value of personal data very seriously. Here's part of an interview with him while he was at the 2017 D10E conference, which is the leading conference on decentralization. John, what kind of technology is going to take to stop this digital crime wave? It'll have to be the technology that looks for the human element. 
that looks for the hacker rather than the malware that the hacker creates. That's the only way you can do this. Because hackers have to interface, they have to act, they have to do something in order to hack you. And it takes many weeks or sometimes many months for them to do that. And if you can identify the hacker right up front and shut the hacker down, then they're going to go to look for easier prey. All of our security in the future will have to include that aspect of security, the hacker mindset and the hacker methodology. And what's the best way to know the mind of a hacker? How do you get in there? Hire them. I keep saying it to everybody. If you don't have hackers on your team, then you're lost. If I'm designing a bank vault, wouldn't I want to hire the greatest safe cracker in the world? Someone who can break into bank vaults? I want to hire that man because if I don't, then he's going to break into my safe. This, this is just a fact of life. So we have to work with them and cooperate with them. We have to stop thinking that all hacking is bad. A hacker is, is nothing more than a person who understands every single aspect of computer technology, from the hardware all the way up to the highest level software and loves living in that field, lives, eats, and breathes that. Now, you can't create a hacker. You can't send someone to Harvard or to Stanford University and create a hacker. No, that's not possible. I hire nothing but hackers. My friends are all hackers. How would you describe the current security framework for SIM cards and phones? We have none. There is no security whatsoever. I think this is the, the problem that cybersecurity professionals like myself face every day. Um, you know, I see people walking around, everyone has their phones out. Uh, while you are watching your phone, your phone is watching you. This is just a fact of life. Uh, the operating system is designed specifically to watch you, listen to you, find out where you are in order to help you. It needs to know who your friends are. It needs to know what you're saying in your text messages. It needs to listen to you sometimes. And so you're looking at your phone and you have all of these facilities, but it is the world's greatest spy device, designed as a spy device. But hackers use those same facilities. They are built into the operating system. So where does that leave the antivirus? That was totally your baby at one time. I think the antivirus paradigm is, is no longer functional. It doesn't work. I said this 10 years ago, and, and I'm the person who invented it. So people should listen. I mean, if I invented it and I built the first antivirus company, viruses are not the problem. Um, by the time hackers have planted malware in your system, it's way too late. The hackers spend weeks, months, or sometimes years sniffing around in your system, taking what they want before they even plant malware. And sometimes they don't. I mean, unless you're trying to ransom something, like a hospital, take all their data and encrypt it, and say, for $100,000, you can have it back. You'll need malware at that point, but by then it's too late. Because by the time you've found the malware, the malware has already done the damage. See, this is the problem. It's a reactive paradigm, and we have to become proactive. Proactive. That's exactly what we need to do. In this podcast, we've been talking about Rachel and Adam. Rachel tracked down the user who reset her account. In that account, Rachel and Adam found enough evidence to hunt down one particular follower. They actually tracked down the hacker's Twitter and Facebook account, which revealed his personal profile. No news yet on the outcome, but I'm sure it's gonna get messy. In the cyber criminal's mind, the word ethical doesn't mean anything. If someone leaves their fence wide open, the stuff inside is up for grabs? Not really, but that's what they think. 
So what can you do? Well, you have to be proactive. Don't wait until the day that you get that fateful phone call. You have to keep an eye on all of your accounts. And I know it's a pain in the neck, but close the ones that you don't use anymore. And stay close to us at commando.com. Our news desk is buzzing 24-7. And as soon as we hear word of some type of SIM swap or hacking or data breach, you are among the first to find out. Now, if you like this podcast, you're going to love the others. Make sure that you subscribe to our podcasts over at iTunes or Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Do me a great favor, please. Give us a good five-star review and write some nice words. That's how more people can find our podcasts. And thanks for listening. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.